I am delighted to get to visit with you today. It has been a tremendous challenge preparing for this message. And so if there's anything good that I say, I promise I stole it. I stole it from others' lived experiences, and I pray that it's sourced in the scripture. And I've been praying that whatever might transpire in the next few minutes would be from the Lord, and that he would speak to you just as I prayed, that he would take from his word and he would speak truth into your heart and remind you of his goodness, and remind you of his power, and remind you of his sovereignty. Ours is a God who rules over all things. Ours is a God who has invited us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And in light of that statement, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, we have friends who are going to be walking down the aisles handing out Bibles. If, if you need that Bible, take it with you, read it, use it up. If you're following along on your electronic device, that's wonderful. I encourage you to stay in the text. And let the text speak to you. As I reference different verses, read around that text and see what God might have for you today. Because I believe that he wants to speak to us today. Today is the final message in a series we've been calling True or False. Where we've been identifying some statements that, that most, a lot of us might say and we just assume they're true. Or we might hear them said but, but we know they're not true, but we hear them enough that we start to wonder, well, are they true? We've looked at statements like forgiving means forgetting. And if you're like me, that was a really helpful reminder that God doesn't want us keeping scorecards. He, he wants us to remember the one scorecard that we have been tremendously forgiven. And so we should forgive those who've trespassed against us. If you're like me, you found it really helpful when Pastor Gary came up here with the blueprint because some people want to say, God has a blueprint for your life. And, and then, and then if, you're, if you're rational and analytical, you start to wonder like, well, then I've messed that up royally. <laughs> so what does that mean for all the other parts of the building? And we're reminded, no, 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 God has a game plan for your life. He, he wants you to live a righteous life before him. He wants you to, to walk in relationship with him. Or maybe that statement, God helps those who help themselves. No, <laughs> that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Praise God. God helps us messed up wicked sinners who need Jesus. <laughs> and grace isn't opposed to effort, but grace is absolutely opposed to earning. So friends, we want to look at another statement today. And, I, and I've got to tell you, I, I, I'm not going to do this. I thought about doing it, and then I thought better. Um, I was going to ask you, have you ever said everything happens for a reason? So don't raise your hand. I'm just going to go first and say, I've said that. And in the moments I've said it, I've thought, this is going to be really helpful. You know, my friend is going through a terrible situation, and I know the answer. I'm just going to lay it on them real thick and, and, and real quick, and I'm going to say, you know, man, hey, everything happens for a reason. Don't do that. <laughs> or, or maybe everything's going well, and you just want to say to the person, hey, man, everything happens for a reason. Blessing. And, and we kind of say it, or, or we have people around us say it, or maybe we've been victim of receiving that when we really don't want to hear that. And so in your study guide today, I want to just work through a couple of things. So I'm one of those guys that's a little more analytical, and I like to take everything apart to put it back together. Now, some of us in this room, we're not wired like that. Life's so much easier, and I'm super jealous for you. You just assume that what's true is true, and it works for you, and you keep moving. I want that so bad. So if that's you, just hang with me for a little while. We'll get there. 
but we're going to take it apart to put it back together because I want you to see how we can do better than everything happens for a reason. You see, when I make that phrase, when I say everything happens for a reason, it creates some ambiguity and, and it, it implies that, that there must be a reason that we can discern. And friends, can I just tell you, you will give yourself and your friends a tremendous gift if you give up trying to understand the reason for everything because you are not God. You, you don't have to know the reason for everything. And you can know the God who is sovereign over all things. You can know the God who is benevolent above all things. You can know the God who loves you more than you know love. You can know God, and that's way more important than knowing whatever reason you might be hunting for. It's a statement that's intended to be comforting, but for many of us, and, and I've talked to friends this week who've gone through some really trying times, they'll all tell you it's not very comforting, even though our intent is to comfort on our worst days, and again, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just confess, I've used this statement to just try to move the conversation along. I don't want to deal with the reality of the pain of this world, and, and so I'll just punt and say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. As like, it's like a little checkbox to get out or a button that I push. It's, some of you guys are old enough to remember the Staples Easy Button. You know, like, well, everything happens for a reason, brother. Just move on. Worst case scenario. But there's actually an even worse case scenario, and I think it's this. If we're not careful, it can sound a whole lot like a prosperity gospel, which teaches that if you're good, good things will come back to you. That nothing's impossible if you only believe, and that now is the best time to live your best life. Because, brother and sister, everything happens for a reason. We make things that are, that are hard and difficult and we, we oversimplify it and, and it actually just really hurts. We can do better. Now on our best days, I think that what it really means when I say it is that God is in control or that God might be doing something to take the worst situation of my life and turn it into something good. See, I, I think that's what most of us mean. And so I wanna help you, I wanna help you do this better in this book, Larry Osborne, his book is called 10 Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe. I mean, what a great title, right? And he looks at these urban legends, these myths, you know, like God helps those who help themselves. No. And this was one of his top 10. Everything happens for a reason. And he talks about when he and his wife, uh, his wife received a cancer diagnosis that so many people said this to him and how hurtful it was. And I listened to another speaker who's, who's actually written a book on the blessing of God. And she talked about when she got her cancer diagnosis, someone came to her and said, hey, sister, everything happens for a reason. And, and don't do this. Well, I don't advise it. She looked them right in the eyes and said, okay, what is it? And then waited. I mean, maybe that would be the course correction that we all need. I give you permission. If I say that to you, please respond appropriately. Um, but by the end of the chapter, what Larry teaches us, and I think that it is so helpful, is that he and his wife got to the point when they were on the receiving end of this idea, they just chose to assume the best about the person who's saying it. Because if you're like me, and we come in, and we take this statement apart, and we put it back together, by the time we put it back together, you're going to be looking down your nose at these people who still say this statement. 
Like, oh man, you must not have heard that message. Or you must not have believed this. And you're going to want to judge them. And I want to encourage you, don't do that. Receive it in the spirit it's given. Assume the best for as long as you can about your brothers and sisters in Christ and their heart for you. And then for those who are saying these things, let's do better. We want to say the right things at the right time. We are a people who believe that God takes the worst situations of our lives and restores them. God takes the greatest hardships of our lives and makes them beautiful. We read verses in the scripture that talk about from the ashes came beauty. But there's a challenge for us, and I think Jeremiah chapter 17 helps us understand this challenge. For many of you students of the scriptures, this will be a familiar passage. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You see, guys, I think we have to start with a posture of humility before a holy God, recognizing that our hearts are not as pure as we think they are or as pure as we want them to be, that our hearts can lead us astray. Pastor Andy talked about our conscience being our guide, this kind of stuff. This is what I'm stirring with here. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. And Jeremiah's solution to the problem is the same solution for us. He writes that the Lord searches the hearts and he examines the mind of mankind. He said, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And so friends, I want you to have that blessing. I want you to be that person who is trusting in the Lord. And I want to invite you right now to turn to Isaiah chapter five. If you received one of those Bibles we handed out, it's on page 590. Because I want to make the claim, and I hope to convince you to agree with me, that it's spiritually dangerous to believe that everything happens for a reason. It's spiritually dangerous for you to grab onto this thought and just allow it to swirl in your head without it being challenged. Because what we really want to say is God is in control. God is good. God is for us. Who can be against us? And and can I just tell you, then just say that. (laughs) Don't try to take that which is complicated and hard and oversimplify it to the point that it's really, um, well, it has no value. It's, it's without power. In Isaiah chapter 5, this is a fascinating chapter. I would encourage you to mark it in your Bible, come back to it sometime and read more. But I want you to see, especially in verse 20, Isaiah is pronouncing a list of woes or judgments for God's people who are walking in disobedience. And he says in verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, you and I live in an era where many bad things are being relabeled and repackaged and being on display as this is good. We we live in a time when darkness is masquerading as light and bitter is masquerading as sweet. And, and, And to be honest with you, for a lot of us, and I hear this chatter among us, a lot of us get this sense like, and the masks are coming off and it's even less masquerading. It's more just outright lying. You know, it's like the little kid that you watch them steal the candy and you're like, hey, don't steal candy. Like, I didn't steal candy. 
And, and they open their mouth and they've got the red tongue from the lollipop. You know, I didn't do that. that that's the world we're living in right now. We, we all are in this bath of, of, of things which are evil are being called good and, and things which are good are being called evil and it's just confusing. The light and the dark, what should be so obvious isn't so obvious. Unless you think the, the things of our day are new. You know, we had a series not too long ago from Ecclesiastes. All of these things were on repeat. Look, in the, look at uh, Isaiah, or, yeah, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. A few of us are pretty good at that. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deny justice for the innocent. Friends, this should poke you in the heart. We live in a time and we live among a people and we, as broken people before a holy God, if we're not careful, it's real easy to call evil good and good evil. And I think that's a little bit of what's happening, a little bit of shading when we want to say to somebody, hey man, everything happens for a reason. And that becomes really dangerous because if we're not careful, we're going to leave people angry at God for things that God did not do. You and your understanding of God would do yourself a favor if you, if you have these categories of there are some things that God causes and there are some things God allows. We'll talk about Job in a few minutes, but Job is exhibit A. If we're not careful, it'll also leave us really irresponsible. We'll too quickly blame God for things that are obviously our doing. You know, Galatians talks about you reap what you sow. Jesus was often using these agronomy uh, stories. And, and friends, from what I hear, the wheat yield is fantastic this year in Fargo. We're reaping what we sowed. So too do we. It's spiritually dangerous because it can lead us to, lead us to a misplaced hope. What if you really believe that everything happens for a reason on this side of heaven, all those bad things are going to made, be made right before you enter eternity. Brother or sister, you are going to be left with some serious challenge because we're not in heaven yet. If we're not careful, it can lead us to gloss over sin. Now, to the best of my memory, I can't remember this happening to me specifically, but I'm going to borrow from Larry's story. As a pastor, he had a man come to him one time and say that it was God's will that one of the men he knew would murder someone so that later that man would come to know Jesus in jail because everything happens for a reason, right? No. No. Your sin is not God's fault. We are responsible for what we have done. And I give you that wild example so that you don't have to feel too much guilt yet, but so that you can enter into it and go, man, that is such an extreme. Thank God I'm not like them. And then the Lord can do his work and show you, well, maybe you are a little bit like them sometimes. Well, God, I, I overspent the budget because I was, I was doing good, right? Well, Maybe, or maybe you just made a bad decision. 
If everything happens for a reason and we're constantly seeking that reason, oftentimes we miss out on the relationship and the mystery of working and walking with God. God is in control. He is good and we can trust him. On your outline, I want to show you a real quick um, couple of things that I found super helpful in making sense of this. And and, and here's how it goes. There's three statements. And and the first is that, that we are a broken people. Now, I told you I've stolen anything that's good. Here's where I stole this from. My first time going to counseling. I learned that it was free. And being the opportunist that I am, I thought it might be a good idea. So I went to counseling. And I remember my counselor, someone I really respect, saying, Jonas, before we start, I just want to make sure we're starting from the same baseline. Obviously, you have presenting challenges, and we want to help you, but let's make sure we're starting from the same baseline. Do you agree with me that we are broken people? Our hearts have been broken by sin. And you'll see some references there. You can go and look them up later. I, I'm like, yes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and, and do you agree that we live in a fallen world? Now, after this is all over, I, I really want to send this to him and tell him, you know, you could update your, your tools because he didn't draw pictures. Um, but we live in a fallen world that sometimes bad things just happen because of the curse. We live in Adam's backwash, right? The world is broken. And that, do you agree that we are under attack by an enemy? And can I tell you that real quickly, I started to better understand my presenting issues? James Dobson says we would all get along a lot better if we realized we live in a broken world. We're broken people in a fallen world under attack by an enemy. So the next time you're in relationship and you see this brokenness in full display, I want to encourage you to come back to this thought. Friend, it's probably somewhere here on this whiteboard. And there are going to be seasons in your life where the only thing that makes sense is that your enemy is full on attacking you. There's going to be seasons in your life where if you're being honest, the issues that you're facing aren't as simple as everything happens for a reason. It's, I'm I'm a sinful human being before a holy God and I made a really bad choice. Some things are just going to be dumb. (laughs) You know, I went left instead of right and this is what happened. I don't know. Why are there potholes? You know, if we didn't have potholes and all this mess, we'd have more than two seasons in North Dakota. (laughs) The world is broken. And the world groans. In Romans chapter 8, we hear about the groan of the world. Sin is a reality, friends. And when we make a distinction between what God causes and what God allows, we begin to see the beauty of how God is working. You might remember I, I referenced Job. Job was a man who was tested severely by the enemy. So many things were taken from him, and he went, the the enemy went to God and said, God, I want to test this man Job, because the only reason he follows you is because look how good he has it. And God said, not so. And God allowed evil to befall upon Job. And Job got to the point where he was questioning God. And if you go back to chapters like 38 and following, 
uh, you begin to see where, where God entertained Job's questions. Job chapter 38, God to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Go ahead, tell me. Job chapter 42, after chapters and chapters of this back and forth, Job said, oh God, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Lest we be too quick to try to figure out all the reasons for all the things. Job serves as an example of one who, when he questioned God, God's answer was, you can know me. Friends, today, if you're questioning God and you're trying to understand all the things about all the things, can I encourage you that God's answer probably, most likely, I believe, is that you can know him. There are mysteries in this life that we will never fully understand. And the fact that we can know God the Father through Jesus Christ by the work of the Spirit should give you hope. As we're following along in the outline, I want to encourage you with a couple of statements of application here. One, one is the next time you, you, you feel tempted to say, well, everything happens for a reason and just sort of gloss it over and, and, and make it maybe go away, I want to remind you to be really careful to not blame God for things which aren't God's. Because we've been doing it since the beginning. I love in premarital counseling when I get to meet with couples and I say, okay, let's go back to the beginning. God creates Adam and Eve, everything's going great, and he says, don't do this one thing, and then the enemy comes in and says, what did God say really? Did God really say that? And then all of a sudden they're doing the one thing they're not supposed to do, and you know the first thing that comes out of Adam's mouth? When God comes to him and says, Adam, what have you done? He says, it was her and you gave her to me. Seriously, go back and read it. It's amazing. Like, and, and so we still do it. <laughs> you know, the kid with the candy, my brother made me do it. Well, of course your brother made me doing it. We've been making little brothers do that for like forever. Your parents know that, they did it too. So be really careful when you face challenges in life to not too quickly blame God. Because your broken heart is going to turn there. And you're going to want to blame him for things which aren't his. The second thing I want to encourage you is to remember that God is good. Just real quickly... Romans, one of the greatest missionary letters of all times, talks about how we have received the grace of Jesus Christ. This is where all of Paul's letters start. God in his grace has been gracious to you. Back to that forgiveness thing, you have been forgiven beyond what you can ever even imagine. Brothers and sisters, God is good. And Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. His love is, his commandments are so good and he wants to invite you to love him by obeying him. He is good. And then I want to invite you to cling to the sovereignty of God. If you have that Bible that we handed out, you can turn to page 47. I want you to see this with your own eyes. 
In the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph is one of the longest stories. It's given the most chapters in the book. Chapters 37 through 50. And if you know the story of Joseph, I was thinking about like his Instagram would be epic. Wouldn't it? Hey guys, check out this robe dad gave me. You know? And then a little bit later, like, you guys, I had a dream. These brothers, they're all going to lay down around me. And then he tells his brothers, and they're like, we're going to get you. And, and then he's like, uh, well, nothing, because he lost his phone. His brothers sold him. You know, they, they act like they killed him. They sell him to the Midianites. The Midianites, if that wasn't bad enough, they sell him to the Egyptians. Some dude named Potiphar buys him. And then things start looking up, and he gets a phone. And he goes back to his Insta, and he's like, check it out. I'm number two. All this is mine. They trust me. But there's this wicked woman married to Potiphar, and all she wants to do in her brokenheartedness is make things wrong with Joseph because of a broken world and a wicked heart. And Joseph does the right thing over and over and over again. And in doing the right thing, he suffers tremendously. For doing the right thing, he is thrown in jail. But the text tells us, and thank you to my friend who I saw this week at lunch, I was telling him about the topic, and he's like, man, but what about Joseph? And I said, I know Joseph. And he's like, you know the coolest part about Joseph? Over and over in the text, it says God was with him. Do you believe that today? God is with you. He wants to be with you. We can do so much better than everything happens for a reason. So much better. God is with you. See, I think, I think jo Joseph got his phone back in jail. It says that they're basically they put him in charge. And then the king's cupbearer and baker come and, and he interprets a dream and it's amazing and they're like, yeah, we'll remember you, Joe. And then they forget about him. The text says for two years. And then the king has a crazy dream. And nobody can interpret it. And then the cupbearer goes, oh yeah, there's this guy. Oh shoot, I forgot. And he calls him out and he answers and he interprets the dream and God uses Joseph again because God was with him. Genesis chapter 50. Um, Joseph had brought his dad and his brothers, his whole family back into Egypt. They're experiencing profound blessing. Dad dies and then they panic. And it makes sense that they panic. The brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 18, came to him, they threw themselves down before him and said, we'll be your slaves, Joseph, don't kill us. And Joseph said, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Therefore, don't be afraid, I will provide for you and for your children. Friends, you and I can cling to the sovereignty of God. And we can also hope for a certain future. And this isn't just any kind of hope. We've talked about this throughout this series. This is a certain hope. This is something we cling to. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If you're following Jesus, he is preparing a place for you and you can hold on to that with all that you are. In Acts, well... I have so many things I want to tell you in so little time. What about Romans 8, 28? 
Let's turn there briefly. Page 972, if you're following along. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, Romans 8.28 isn't a promise for just anyone. It's not just a verse that we take out of context and put on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a bumper sticker. Romans 8.28, look who this is to. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We can entrust ourselves to the sovereignty and to the goodness of God because we believe that he is at work for those who are his sons and his daughters. I, I want to caution you. This isn't a everything is good if you wait long enough kind of promise. These aren't, you know, no bad thing will befall you. This is an anchor to our souls that God will work. God will overcome whatever evil happens in your life because his grace can overwhelm even that. Because God takes what is intended for evil and he turns it to good. Maybe that's something you could comfort somebody with. Brother or sister, I know that your boss intended this for evil. But let's trust that God will take what is evil and turn it into good. I have friends who've lost their jobs because they're doing the righteous thing. Maybe they were at fault. Maybe their brokenheartedness led them to a sinful decision or a dumb decision. Or maybe they were just behaving as God called them to obey and they lose their job. God can take that and turn it into good. But let's not call what is bad good. Let's not call what is evil good. Let's not pretend that that which is bitter is sweet. We do great harm when we do that. I want to conclude with this thought, and it comes from Peter in Acts chapter 2. One of the tensions I feel as I talk about this is this God causes versus God allows, and what's our responsibility in the mix? And, and here, here's where I see this on beautiful display, because guys, ours is a God who took the most evil act in history. The murder of Jesus Christ on a cross what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. Acts chapter two. Peter's preaching to the crowds. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, have put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Praise God. And his application? Therefore, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, all from whom the Lord our God will call. They were held responsible for the murder of Jesus. And through that murder of Jesus, we learned and we received the benefit of the reality that death can't even hold Jesus down. And then they were offered the grace of God by believing in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of their sins, and so too are you. 
So the next time you're tempted to say everything happens for a reason, let's do a little better, okay? And if you're victim to it, show them a little grace. (laughs) We're all on the journey. But lean in and listen. Be that person who is slow to speak and quick to listen. And getting really practical here, show up for the people who are hurting. Friends, we all know people who are hurting. And in a congregation like this, with people who are listening, some of you, it's really hard for you to know what to say. Can I encourage you to say that? What a blessing it is when you're in crisis to have somebody text you, write you a card, send you an email, call you on the phone, show up at your house and say, look, man, I don't know what to say, but I want you to know I love you and I care. That goes a long way. Let's show up for each other. And let's share the good news that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead. And when everything seemed at its worst, God was doing something pretty amazing. So here's my one thing this week that I want to encourage you with. Reject the shallow slogans of this life. You've heard a lot of them this summer. Outright reject them and embrace the path of Jesus. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Lean in, church. Lean in. Let's pray. Father, we trust that in these moments we've shared that you've been working by your spirit in our hearts. God, we thank you for the many people who are a part of this church and call this church home who who are already doing this stuff. God, they are so faithful. I think about our Stephen ministry and I just wanna pray for those especially who are Stephen ministers today, those who are walking alongside others. God, would you give them favor? Would you give them ears to hear and just the careful words to speak? Lord, I think of those who have no title or status or anything else. They're just faithfully serving you in a beautiful way. Would you energize them today? Father, for some, we've been sitting on the sidelines too long. And you've shown us where the needs are and and, and we've turned our heads. Please forgive us today, God. Open our eyes, open our hearts, move our feet and our hands to care, to love, to share the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.